Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. Stocks rose for a fourth day, sending the S&P 500 to its best week since November. There was optimism about economic growth in the U.S. and about more signals that central banks will continue to help stave off fallout from Britain's decision to leave the European Union. It was the longest winning streak for stocks since March. Industrial, energy, and financial shares have led the comeback since Monday. We check the markets every 15 minutes. The Dow Industrial Average gained 19 points, a tenth of a percent, to close out the week at 17,949. S&P 500 up four points, two-tenths of a percent to 2102. The Nasdaq added 20 points, four-tenths of a percent, and closed at 4862. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up 87 cents a barrel, 1.8 percent to 49.18. Spot Gold up $23.60, announced at 1344.20. Ten-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds with a yield of 1.44 percent. And repeating our top story, in Bangladesh, local officials say that two police officers have been killed in an attack on a Bangladesh restaurant and that about 30 people are being held hostage. A State Department spokesman says that all American citizens that are under the authority of the diplomatic chief of mission in Dhaka were accounted for and were not involved in the incident. The department is still checking on private American citizens who may have been in the area. And that's the Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. The health of the global economy, the strength of manufacturers around the world post-Brexit. This is what we're going to dive into now and what it may mean for some key commodities whose whose health is so important to the health of the U.S. and global economy. Jason Schenker joins us now. He's president of Prestige Economics. He's located in Austin, Texas. In studio, Rachel Adams Hurd. She's part of our America's Oil team here in New York City. So, Jason, let's start with you. I spoke earlier today with Brad Holcomb from the Institute of Supply Management. We talked about U.S. manufacturing. It's going pretty decently, fastest growth in more than a year. But why don't you and I and Rachel look at uh, the Euro area numbers? Because it's surprising that Euro area manufacturing is growing at its fastest pace in six months. But can that last post-Brexit? Well, I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head here that things looked pretty good going into Brexit. Even the U.K. manufacturing numbers were up quite a lot. It went up to 52.1 from 50.1, you know, uh, and, and the Eurozone was at 52.8 from 51.5, where 50 is a break-even for all of these. These all look good, but after Brexit, I think there's significant concern about investment, uh, and if that investment is reduced, you could see new orders uh, be reduced as well, and that could weigh on on manufacturing, uh, although it's a bit of a mixed bag for the U.K. where exporters might still do quite well in this low-pound environment. Well, you know, some are saying that with Brexit behind it, the commodities market, you know, door is open for prices of things like oil to keep rising. This is one of your specialties, Jason. What do you see for the price of oil moving ahead now after Brexit well, with think- a lot of uncertainty still around? Yeah, no, I think for the balance of the year, we're going to spend most of the year between the second half between 40 and $60 a barrel. I think that uh, what's really important here is kind of the mix. When I look at forecasting commodity prices, it's a mix of three PMIs. I look at the ISM, which is expansionary right now um, at, at that, that high level for June of 53.2, the Eurozone manufacturing, which is pretty strong at 52.8, uh, and the Chinese manufacturing PMI. If you look at the Saishin, which is the, the privately conducted one of the government survey, 
that's contracted now for 18 of the past 19 months. In other words, there's been a manufacturing recession in China for over a year and a half. So uh, the mix of it is better than it's been in a number of months, which is positive, but China continues to risk being a drag, and if there is reduced investment into Europe, um, then, then there could be uh, issues with growth slowing there as well. So, Rachel, let's turn to you. You wrote a story this week about uh, cheap gasoline and how that could uh, mean a fuel record demand for the 4th of July holiday. What's going on? Yeah, so AAA expects that nearly 43 million Americans are going to be traveling this holiday weekend, and that's due in part because of cheap gasoline prices, but also because it's a three-day weekend, and we've had a few the past couple of years for July 4th, um, so this one's no different, and with more people saving money from cheap gas, and because that gasoline is so cheap right now, it's incentivizing Americans to hit the road. So it, with the reporting you've done for this story and other work you've done on oil, is it is it, the, the, when you talk to the analysts and the oil experts, are, are they seeing sufficient demand to keep oil prices around this level or higher? Well, a recent Bloomberg intelligence survey actually found that more than 50% of uh, analysts and energy professionals expect that gas will in the year, or I mean oil, excuse me, oil in the year uh, at $50 a barrel or more. Um, and those respondents were actually more bullish on Brent crude, where about 70% saw that pri- that oil within the, that price range. Okay, Jason Shanker, back to you. Um, if I'm, oh boy, the, the central banks are really in play right now, aren't they? Uh, the Bank of England may be cutting the rate, rates twice. That's what a lot of economists think. The Fed on hold. Stanley Fisher, Fed vice chair, got to see what the impact of Brexit is before you look at rates. What's going to happen? Well, you know, I think I think you know. My thoughts on this, I I know I spoke with you when my my book Recession Proof came out at the end of February. I've been expecting an end of 2016 or 2017 U.S. recession. I think that's already been baked in, and regardless of what happened with Brexit, I think Brexit just pushes us further in that direction. I think there's a risk of a U.K. recession, and and that's been acknowledged uh, as a result of reduced investment despite a likely increase in exports and, you know, the Eurozone and the entire global economy are very much on the edge. I mean, the IMF lowered their growth forecast back in April significantly. In the press conference, one of the heads of research said, we're not presently in a crisis. We're on alert for a crisis. This was back in April, right? So I'll be very curious to see that next round of IMF growth forecast, but the World Bank's lowered theirs, and the IMF recently lowered the U.S. growth forecast, not only 2.2 for the year. I think we're in for some real slowing. I think autos are the linchpin for the U.S. economy right now. They were very strong last year, if you look. Uh, year-over-year retail sales, excluding autos, was at a lower pace than in 2001. So autos, a million extra cars were, and light trucks were sold last year. We went from 16.4 million vehicles in 2014 to 17.4 million last year. And if the financial regulators push on banks to be more conservative with their credit, you're going to get a reduction in subprime auto loans at a time when the lease fleets that are coming back this year are three times the size of normal returning. Got to leave it there, Jason Shanker. Thanks so much from Prestige Economics. Thanks to Rachel Adams Heard from Bloomberg. Keep it right here. This is Bloomberg. 
Coming up, Bloomberg Law, brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon, named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by the banker. That's the power of global connections, Bank of America, NAFDIC.